0: Thank you for coming today. We are at the end of our uh, summer series, our summer at the Vineyard series, and you've been hearing from all the staff pastors, and um, you know, and they they let me—I I don't know why—but they let me come up um, and and preach. You know, they said, you know, you're usually behind a guitar there, and. Uh, usually off to the side, but we're going to give you an opportunity to say something. So I'm hoping that I don't say anything wrong to you today um, and uh, that you guys at least get something out of this message. But I'm excited about uh, the opportunity. I I mean, you know what? Let's do this because this is the end. I just want to say, put this out there, that our staff pastors did an awesome job this month. Don't you think so? I think they did a great job. And it's honestly, it's so, it's such a privilege and it's so incredible to be able to work with each one of these people. It's not normal that in a staff uh, like us that we have as many preachers as we do and as many people to share the word. Um, But our pastor will be back next week. Phil will be back from his uh, month-long vacation. And uh, he usually comes back with a lot of energy from these vacations. So uh, I'm looking forward to what he's going to be sharing with us. Uh, but I get to share today, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Grimaldi Martinez. And I'm one of the pastors here, I'm, one of the, worship, I'm, I'm the worship pastor here, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and I get the opportunity to work with such an incredible team every week here. You see the amount of musicians and worshipers that are here on a weekly basis, and it is, it is honestly my privilege to be able to work with them and to be able to, on a weekly basis, prepare and I guess the table for us to be able to worship God and to be able to lift up our songs and our hearts to him. And so, um, so what I want to talk about today uh, in particular uh, may, may come off and may start off as a little bit somber. Um, so I just want you guys to take a deep breath with me. So let's all do that together. Ready? Good, good. It may sound a little somber at the beginning, but but just bear with me. There, there will be some hope at the end. I'm I'm probably out of the whole group. I'm probably uh, the less uh, uh, the less happy-go-lucky of the whole group. I don't know. It might be part of my musician type of uh, personality or my artsy type of personality, where I kind of. Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a happy-go-lucky person, but, I, but I'm a fairly nice person, and I smile. Um, but, you know, I am an introvert, and I like to spend a lot of time in my cave over here There's my office. Um, and so this may come off at first as a little, but bear with me, because there's, there's some good stuff, I think. There's some hope at the end that we're going to be able to grab a hold of, okay, and be able to apply to our lives and go forward with what God has for us. So, as you know, there's been a lot of things happening in society for the last year and a half, right? Whether it be the pandemic or whether it be social unrest, and everyone has mentioned something about it. There's been something, there's been some type of difficulty Or, or difficult season in life that we've been finding ourselves in. And, and aside from the obvious things that we have been able to see on the news and that are consistently around us, and, and, you know, we have reminders of it every day that we are experiencing something out of the ordinary in this time in history. On top of those things, we have our normal, everyday stresses of life, right? We still have children that we have to deal with. We still have loved ones that are living and that are passing away. We, we have bills that we still have to pay. For the most part, there hasn't been much of a break in that area. Um, we're still experiencing the normal things of life on top of the fact that oh yeah there's this other thing happening and it's always there and it feels like it feels like it's just always hovering around everything that is happening in our lives right now it's almost like that silent partner in life that you really don't want around you but it's there and it's influencing things and sometimes we're able to make those connections and sometimes we're able to say, oh, yeah, I know what's stressing me out right now. Man, I'm going through this, 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 and this. And then on top of that, there's a pandemic going on. And on top of that, there's a lot of social rest going on, unrest going on. Oh, yeah, I could, I could put two and two together and know that I am, we are, as a society, going through certain things that are making things a little difficult and different. But then there's other times that we don't put two and two together, that we can't connect the dots, and we're wondering, well, why am I feeling this way? You know, I'm a Christian. I know God. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be experiencing this. This shouldn't be happening to me. I should be in better shape right now. But the reality is that no matter where you find yourself in that spectrum, we are living in a difficult time, In the world's history right now and that's a reality that's a reality whether we like it or not and i fear sometimes that in our modern western church we do not always do a great job preparing people for difficulty and for suffering We don't always do a great job preparing people for difficulty and suffering. We almost get superstitious about it. It's almost like we don't want to talk about that thing. We don't want to talk about the elephant that's in the room. Because if we give it too much attention, then maybe we will actually realize that this was a little harder than what we thought. Maybe we would actually realize that we were dealing with more things than what we thought we were dealing with. And somehow we think that that's an indictment on our faith. Unfortunately, what we've been getting in American evangelicalism for at least the last 30 or 40 years has been a steady diet of faulty pop theology that does not allow us to, at times, deal with the real issue of suffering and trials, with the real issue of the fact that even though we are children of God and that we have a destiny and we're going somewhere, we still got to deal with this we still have to deal with this. We still have to deal with our emotions. We still have to deal with our humanity. We still have to deal with trials and tribulations and things that are still going on in this world. And then somehow if we mess with those things or if we think about things, there may be even some of us that start condemning ourselves and thinking, oh my gosh, I must lack faith or I must not be really connected with God because if I were, I wouldn't be going through this or this wouldn't be happening. And of course, we either forget or overlook or are not even taught in some instances how to navigate our humanity in light of our faith. We may also forget or not consider the reality that some of the people that are considered heroes of the faith in the Bible were human beings and along with the many exploits that they did, along with the many things that they did that encourage us and excite us, they did some dumb things. They did some things that were inexplicable. They did some things that today, honestly, if one of these characters in the Bible wanted to even serve coffee in our church, would be like, ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh, ho oh. ho. Wait a minute, hold your horses. <laughs> but what do we do? We always focus on the great things that they did and the marvelous things that they did but we forget that they were human beings just like you and I The Bible is not only super clear about the triumphs of people like Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, Solomon, the prophets, and the apostles, etc., etc., but they were also very explicit. The Bible was also very explicit about their failures, their trials, their sufferings, and their tribulations, I think if God wanted us to believe that knowing him or serving him meant that everything would be great and that we will always do everything awesome and that there would be no trials or there would be no tribulations, then we would have a very thin Bible that only emphasized the exploits. Of God and of human beings that serve God but wouldn't share about their humanity and about the things that they did and about the troubles that they found themselves in and about the realities of life that they may have found themselves in at that time. Remember, part of the story of redemption is that Jesus took on the form of our humanity. Think about that. God wasn't in heaven saying, hey, come up here. Hey, come up. Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Don't come too far because you're not good enough. No. He said, I'm going to go down there. I'm going down to them. I'm going down to them. Jesus took on the form of humanity so that in his identification, with the suffering and limitations of our humanity, we would be assured of his empathy when we ourselves go through things, and also we would be assured that our weaknesses would not disqualify us from experiencing the very nature of God in our lives. The Bible talks about this clearly in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It talks about Jesus, the high priest. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So many times we look at that scripture, and what we focus on is, oh, Yet did not sin. But that's not the purpose of that scripture. Of course Jesus did not sin. He was the son of God. But the purpose of that scripture was not to emphasize not to emphasize the fact that he did not sin. The purpose of that scripture was to emphasize that he did go through things, that he did experience the things that, that we experience, that he is able to empathize, that he is able to understand our weakness because he had to deal with it. That is the emphasis of that scripture. We have someone who could identify with some of the things that we experience here in life. This is the same book of Hebrews that talks about the great exploits of those who are known as the heroes of faith and what God did in them and through them. Hebrews chapter 11, 32 to 35 says this. How much more do I need to say It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. And I remember there was a time when I used to read this chapter and would always be excited and encouraged, especially as a young Christian. I was like, wow, look what they did. Look, look at the awesome works they did because they believed God and they had faith and so on and so forth. And then as I got older and as I started reading the Old Testament, I started realizing that some of these characters that are in the chapter Hebrews 11 that's called the heroes of faith, some of the things that they did were horrible. Like, I could tell you, I could go through each one of these and tell you, not just the exploits of God, but what the Bible says they did in the sense of their failures, their trials, their tribulations, and times and moments where they disappointed God. And yet, here they are. Here they are in the chapter of the heroes of the faith. Here they are. And why? It's not necessarily because of their exploits, but for you and I to understand that the people that God desires to use are everyday human beings just like you and I. The people that God desires to use are imperfect human beings that at times do have victories and do have great moments in their lives, but they also have times of trial. They also have times of suffering. And there may be areas in their lives that are not all great, but then there may be other areas in their lives that are super duper. But guess what? God still used them. And God still wants to use you. Jesus made a bunch of promises to us. I love the promises of God, right? One of the first things I learned when I became a Christian almost 32 years ago now, my aunt, my my titi, as we Puerto Ricans call our aunts. <laughs> my Titi <laughs> said, Grimaldi, I got a promise for you. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you," <laughs> says the Lord. I love the promises of God. I love the, the little cards. I even love those little cards that some people are like, "Ah, that's shallow." No, I like them. I like popping them out and seeing, "Whoa, promise, promise!" Love that. But then there's some promises <laughs> that we also have to take to heart and realize that it's more than just feeling good at times it's more than just making yourself feel great jesus made a bunch of promises to us and many of which we like to quote some of which we quote without understanding and knowing the reality or the implications of them and one such promise that jesus made you will find john chapter 16 verse 33 and i wonder who who claimed this promise for themselves <laughs> I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. That's great. Peace in me. Oh, man, I love that. But then he goes on to say, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. It's good. Peace. Amen. I have overcome the world. Awesome. Many trials and sorrows. Think about that. It's not, eh, if you come serve me every once in a while, you'll have a hard time. But most of the time, I'll take you through, and you'll be super duper, and you'll be jumping for joy, and you'll be the, the excited Christian that everyone wants to kind of copy, and, and you're going to make everyone want to serve God because of your goodness and your greatness. No. In this world, you will have many, many trials and tribulations. The Greek word, actually, one of the Greek translations is many sufferings. You will have many sufferings. So so wait, wait. Sufferings? With an S at the end is plural already. I'll have many of those? (laughs) <laughs> many sufferings. But take heart, because I have overcome the world, and that's a good thing. We're going to get to that part. But let's talk a little bit of, about the trials. Many trials and sorrows, many sufferings. Now, yes, this Bible talks about peace, but I think it seems to be the thing that gets us into the most trouble, especially young Christians when they first come to Christ, and, and in a sense, their promise. Kind of a bill of goods That if I give my life to Christ Everything's going to be okay Everything's going to be great And I'm going to be able to make it through And I'm going to be strong And everything's going to be good And then the first trial And the first sufferings comes to them And it's like, alright, I'm good I got this, I'm alright I'm still good And then the second one comes and boom And you're like, oh, okay Just a flesh wound I can do this And then the next trial comes Boom Boom. You're like, this is not what I expected. And what ends up happening a lot of times is because we haven't prepared people to understand suffering and trials and tribulations in the light of our faith. People end up giving up on this and say, Oh, this is not what I was told. This is not what I expected. And then, of course, with all the triumphalism that at times has been preached in evangelicalism, especially in our modern history, it is very easy to connect the achieving of what's called prosperity or, in our case here in the United States, the American dream as a sign of God's favor or as an indicator of the victory that we are promised in Scripture. In fact, Many modern preachers have done that very thing to some extent, even some of our more mainstream churches have at times equated the absence of trouble or hardships with the blessing of God. So we say things like, oh, I got money, God is good. Or we say things like, oh, God was good to me today because this didn't happen, I had a great day, God was good to me today. So if you have a bad day, does that mean that God is bad to you? If you don't have money in your pocket, does that mean that God has been bad to you today? Absolutely not. Now, I understand what we mean. God is good. And I like it. I like when we say God is good all the time, all the time. I love that. And you know why I love that? Because that reality is not based on whether you have a dollar in your pocket or not, whether your house is big or not, whether your car runs or not, whether you're suffering or not. That reality is based solely on the fact that God is who he says he is, no matter what you think or where you're at or what you're going through. You're not any more or less blessed because of what you have in your pocket and the size of your house. You're blessed because Jesus loves you with an undying love and he sacrificed his life so that you wouldn't have to experience the punishment that was due to each one of us. And life is good because God loves me. Life is good because I can experience Jesus in my life. Life is good because God is good even when I'm not. Oh. <laughs> and it does not depend on whether I feel it or not. It does not depend on whether I do everything right. And listen, some of y'all know me really good. Sometimes I come in here and I'm grumpy. Sometimes I come in here and I smile at you, but I still run to my office. (laughs) I am so glad it doesn't depend on how I feel when I come in or when I don't come in or when I'm sick or when I'm not sick or when I'm suffering or when I'm not suffering. God is good. All the time. And there would be no... I would not have hung in here. I came to Christ when I was 17, 18. You know what I was looking forward to? When I turned 18, I'm talking about New York City back in 1980-something. All right, 18, 18 meant for me that now I could go to the clubs and I wouldn't get carded. Or if I did get carded, I would be like, hey, you see? And, and it had nothing to do with alcohol because at that time, I don't even remember... If it was still 18 or 21, I don't remember. But I do know that I couldn't go into a club because I was always looking like a kid. And, you know, I've kept that childlike look. <laughs> All my friends say, bro, what do, you, what do you put on your beard? Are you using just for men? <laughs> I'm like, Mm-mm. This is from my, my abuelita. <laughs> but... I was always young looking, so I was like, oh, 18? And if they ask me, I'm going to be like, here, I'm 18. Let me in. And literally two months before my 18th birthday, Jesus came and wrecked my whole world. Wrecked my whole world. (laughs) And from that day on, brought me here. Right, 32 years later, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I did not understand that pain and trials and suffering was part of this whole thing, I would not be here 32 years later. I would have given up, I would have quit, and I could tell you about some trials. Part of it is because I was a hard-headed Puerto Rican kid from Brooklyn that needed a lot of... So there was a lot of trials. <laughs> there was a lot, right, honey? My wife. My poor wife. French girl from Maine. Didn't know what she was getting into. <laughs> my wife is like a saint. <laughs> I lost my whole place here. por cantazo. Así es como crecí yo. By cantazo, that's what that means. But, hey, here it is. A theology that does not include trials and sufferings as part of the redemptive work of God is incomplete at best, shallow at worst. Shallow at worst. Incomplete at best, shallow at worst. A theology that does not take into account the frailty of our humanity will not be able to fully experience the power of God working in and through them. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9. He said, each time God said to me, he was asking about something, about this thing called the thorn in the flesh, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And he was saying to God, God, take this away from me. And each time, and this blows me away. And listen, This is in the Bible, so I could step away from this, and I could say, this is not me talking. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? So there. 2 Corinthians 12 says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. And he said this, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, in the same context, he elaborates a little bit more of why he's saying that. He said, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. I was given? Yo, if anyone comes with that gift for me, I'm pushing it back. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Listen, I don't have time to unwrap what all that means, but let's just say that that's not anything that I would volunteer for. And that's not even anything that I would say for that matter in our present society. I would have said if someone would come to me and say, hey, I got a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, I'd be like, dude don't say that. Or I'd be like, dude, don't receive that. Or don't claim that. Or don't speak that in today's evangelical hyper-whatever vernacular. Don't claim that. Paul, not me, Paul, So why is this so important to understand? Because I honestly believe that it is so easy for people to think that somehow as a result of following Jesus, we become superhumans that should be able to get through this all the time with no problems, experiencing joy and victory all the time. But let me say this, first and foremost, let me say clearly that the victory that Jesus has given us has nothing to do with how you or I feel it has more to do with the state of reality that was done as a result of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, remember he said it is finished. And what that meant was it is it's finished. Finished work means it's done. And because it's done, That also means the battle is over. Now you're saying, but I battle all the time. Yeah, we battle here because we still got to deal with this flesh. But the battle, the real battle, the battle that matters, the battle of the ages, the battle of eternity is done. So your victory does not depend on whether you come in feeling victorious today. Your victory does not depend on whether you had a good day or not today, on whether you drank your coffee today, or whether you liked the first song that we sang (laughs) or not. Your victory today is based on the fact that Jesus did what he said he was going to do, and it is finished. It is finished. It is done. It is done. So I come and I have a bad day and you know what? Praise God. Anyhow. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because it's finished. I don't have to work. I don't have to jump through hoops. I don't have to skip and throw myself upside down and and hit myself on the back a hundred times. And I don't have to try to earn anything. God, it's finished. Thank you. Do I feel great? I don't know. I'm feeling good now because I'm realizing, wow, it's finished. So yeah, I feel great. But did I feel great necessarily when I came in the doors this morning? Not really. First service, our technology was doing its thing again, and I'm having to lead worship. Things are happening around me because I'm feeling great. Right now, that just went off, and it went back on. So what? Praise God. Thank you, Lord, because my victory does not depend on how good everything is functioning today. My victory is based on what you did for me on the cross. Now, there's nothing wrong with experiencing emotion. That shit, honestly, you should experience it. I mean, there are times when we're like, yeah, yeah, I feel great. Why? Because Jesus loves me. And not only do I know that in my head, but I can feel it today. But then there are times when it's like, yeah, I don't feel that great and I'm going through a lot of stuff, but Jesus loves me. Jesus still loves me. And I have to deal with my humanity today, but it doesn't change how much he cares. It doesn't make me any less loved. It doesn't make the victory that was purchased for me any less of a victory. It doesn't negate that which was done. I'm going to end with one last hero of the faith. Talked about Paul and his humanity and his weakness. And the, Hebrews 11 talks about the prophets, the many different prophets in the Bible, and I've used this in other sermons that I've preached before, but this is such a great story and demonstrates the goodness of God in, in dealing with our humanity. One of the greatest... Prophets of Israel's history is Elijah, Elijah the prophet. So in this story, the context of this story is when Elijah, this powerful man of God, just finished confronting, uh, just finished confronting the prophets of Baal, and the prophets of Baal are are um, are gods that they're they're servants of a of a what's the word I'm looking for, a god that's not uh, an idol or some type of pagan God, thank you. All right? And so Elijah, the man of God, the prophet of, of the one true God, just confronted uh, the prophets of Baal, and, and literally fire came down from heaven. And we're talking about all this, and the prophets of Baal all died. And, and God just did some incredible supernatural thing that you and I have probably never experienced in our own walk with God, right? But then what happens to him after that is incredible. And I think should serve as an encouragement for you and I. That if it could happen to him, and God still loved him, it could happen to us, and God can still love us. 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed those prophets. And this is uh, Jezebel talking to Elijah. Elijah was strengthened and he thought, how dare you say that to me? I'm a man of God and I've just experienced this powerful miracle. What makes you think you're going to be able to do that to me? No. (laughs) No. It says here in verse three Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Baffles me. Baffles me, but I, but I kind of understand. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. You just went from victory and now you're, you're praying to die? <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. <laughs> but you understand, it's like, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under a broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him, told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. When I think about the mountain of God, I think about the place where God's presence dwells, where God's presence is. And so here's Elijah, this great prophet, and just come from defeating uh, 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 the, the prophets of Baal. And the first thing he does is when he hears that there's a contract out for his life, he goes into this depressive state. He dives into a real bad internal place, and he gets to the point where he says, God, I'm done Kill me. Kill me right now. I am done. And yet I love what God does. He doesn't say to him, how dare you? How dare you? I just showed you something. How dare you not believe? How dare you not have faith? I just, I just shot fire down from heaven and now you're doubting? No. He said, Sent an angel, he said, here, eat, drink some water. One of the first things that go when you have gone through some trauma. Have some food and drink some water. And then take a nap. (laughs) And then he gets up, he said, here, have some more food. Have some more water. Take another nap. And then when he woke up, he was ready for that 40-day journey where? to the mountain of God. And Elijah was able to fulfill the rest of his mission. But think about it, guys. Think about the hero of faith that said, I want to die. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't handle this anymore. And you know what? We've been in a pretty interesting time And maybe inside, you may have said that a few times during this season. Maybe inside you may have said, God, where are you? I don't understand this. I don't get this. Maybe, maybe, you may have stopped coming to church. Not because of mass, not because of pandemic, not because of social distancing, but because you were done. You were tired. You felt discouraged. You felt down. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay not to feel good. I'm gonna say it again. It's okay. I know that doesn't sound spiritual. I know that doesn't sound, wait a minute. Isn't it your job to like beat us into shape? No. It's okay. It's all right. You're not the first one. You're not the first one whose humanity got in the way. You're not the first one who wondered. You're not the first one who thought, I don't understand this. It's okay. God is still on his throne. He still loves you. He still desires you. He still has a plan for you. Victory is still there. God's peace, God's grace still there the war between God and man is still done. <laughs> Jesus is still on his throne and you're still going to be able to experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Plans for good and to prosper you to give you a future and a hope. Ephesians chapter 2 10 calls us his workmanship, the Greek word poema, his, his piece of art, his work of art that he created for good works that we might walk in those. Your humanity may have shot up its head during this time. Don't judge yourself. Or others harshly if you find yourself during the season or any season of life dealing a bit more with your humanity than you may have liked to. But here's the good thing. Reach out for help. Reach out for prayer support. Keep coming to church. Keep pressing forward. Because just like there are times of doubt in our lives, there are also great times of faith ahead. Just like there are times of struggle in our lives, there are also great times of victory ahead. As 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You do not have to hide. You do not have to be ashamed. You do not have to suffer needlessly when there is hope. You are not disqualified from being used by God even in the midst of your struggle or your suffering. There are people that love you no matter what and God loves you no matter what. Amen? Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you here. God, we thank you that you have filled the pages of our Bible with stories of human beings just like us, Lord. People who did great, people who did exploits, people who did dumb things, people who did not always succeed, people who had joys and victories, but people who also suffered and had trials. And yet, through each story, God, you show your faithfulness. You show your love. You show that you are the same and you never change. God, we thank you that our victory does not depend on us. God, we thank you that this does not depend on us on any one of us here, Lord God. But Lord, that this is a work of your strength, of your grace, of your power, working in our weaknesses. God, I boast in my weakness so that your power may be made perfect in me, Lord God. And I pray, Father, for each one of us that during the season, maybe you found yourself wondering, maybe you've had a difficult time with this season, it's okay, no shame. No shame. There's no shame. This has been hard. It hasn't always been easy. And we always, don't always navigate everything well. And you might need prayer. You may, you may, be, you may be the one sitting here today and you say, you know what? This hasn't been a great time and I just need Help. I need God's love. I need someone to pray for me. I need someone to just speak encouraging words to me. We're going to have our prayer people over there, like always. And at the end of the service, I'm just going to ask you if you need prayer, if you are in that situation, again, no shame. There's no having to make up all the things in the past that you may have not succeeded in. You don't have to do that either. Today is a new day. This is a day of salvation. Today is a new day. Go get prayer and start off today and say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that in spite of my humanity, you still love me. In spite of my humanity, God, in spite of the things that I've gone through or things I might go through, you are God. You are good. Your love. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. You have an awesome, awesome time. If you need prayer, please go over there.